0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of L.A.'s best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: Hi, this is Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehavin' Canine.
2: Thank you for joining us today.
1: Today we're going to talk about Halloween.
2: Oh, I love Halloween.
1: Yes, of course you would. I do. I love Halloween. I mean, what's not to love? You get to dress up. It's all ghoulish and stuff. And you get to eat candy. Yeah, The eating candy part, I like. Except... The last couple of years, I've been buying the kind of candy that I don't like. Well, that's just a good strategy. strategy, so I won't. Yeah, just because, so that you know, in between the kids coming, I'm not sitting here chowing down on Reese's peanut butter cups.
2: Yeah, that's a really good strategy, actually. And I won't bring Reese's peanut butter cups into the house for that for very exactly reason. that reason. Right, right. <laughs> that's not for the kids. I'm
1: not even going to pretend it is. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about Halloween and your dogs. Okay. Oh, okay. Back to Not episode. about our personal Halloween experiences. Back to doggy dish. Okay. Yes.
2: And there's a few. Th- points for us to touch on. I think that we're going to talk a little bit about how you can use it in training. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about how you can manage your dog if your dog is not terribly interested in being involved in this holiday. Right. And we're going to talk about management
1: ideas, right? Right. Gonna, or, yeah, management ideas. In case you have a fearful or aggressive dog that you don't want to have to deal with at the front door. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, what I like about Halloween is that if you're like me and my husband, we're pretty much hermits and nobody ever comes over. And so <laughs> Aren't that you proud? Means, well, yeah, it, exactly. Nobody likes us. We have no friends. Lying. But, <laughs> see, you made me laugh. So, it's a really good opportunity to teach your dog door behavior because... Really, the only way to teach your dog how to behave at the door is when somebody comes and knocks on your door or rings your doorbell. True. So if you don't have people coming over very often, that doesn't give you very many opportunities unless you make it a point to either ask people to come over or you sneak out the back door and you go around and you ring the doorbell or have your, you know, your husband or friend or spouse or whatever do that so that you ring the doorbell and then you can teach the dog to go lie down in, on its place or to practice whatever behavior you want at mm-hmm. the door. Mm -hmm. So Halloween is a really good opportunity to really kind of cram that behavior in there.
2: (laughs) Well, that sounds pleasant. Okay. (laughs) So so when you're cramming it, tell us how you cram that behavior in your dog.
1: (laughs) Well, ideally, you have a concept. You have an idea in your mind of what behavior you want. So, like, for me, I would... Rather than have my dog come all the way up to the door with me, I would rather teach my dog to go sit someplace five or six feet back from the front door. Mm -hmm. Me too. So, and I would name it. I would say on your spot, go to your place, bed, whatever target, you can name it whatever you want to name it. And then every time somebody knocks on the door or rings the doorbell, then you send your dog there. And you can give him a treat for going there. You can, if it's, especially if it's only one person, if you're by yourself, you can have a leash or a tether tied up there so that you can tell the people at the door one second. You can tell your dog on his spot. You take him over there. You give him a treat for staying there. You attach him to the leash so that now he has no choice but to stay there. You can go answer the door safely. And then when you're done at the door, you can still turn around and reward your dog for staying someplace where he had no choice about anyway.
2: Right. And I think you're assuming that people know this, but I'm going to say it just in case they don't. You would start training this behavior not when you're answering the door. You would actually teach them about where the spot was prior to that. And then you would use the spot to further deepen their understanding right, of it. yeah, don't of, start this behavior Halloween night. <laughs> well, I, it's not the way you said it, I don't know. I know, yeah, you're right. Okay, I noticed that when we were talking about this beforehand, because we are trying to get more organized about this, I noticed that you said when people read the, ring the doorbell. At my house, uh, the trick-or-treaters, some of them will knock, some of them will read, mm-hmm. ring the doorbell, but a lot of times they just yell trick-or-treat, and that's a really good time to work on signaling the dog giving them a that's enough or a stop signal. So the the kids yell, the dog reacts. Right. And you work on that signal of, okay, thank you, I've got it. Yes. It's time to stop barking now and back off. And then you can send them to their spot. So that's sort of a double whammy. You've got two things that you can teach them at one time. Right. Because for
1: a lot of dogs the doorbell does mean bark, bark, bark. Hey somebody's here, hey somebody's here.
2: Yes, absolutely. And because there are children out there and they're chattering and making noise and they're excited. There's a lot of excitability. Oh, they they do. I, I you know I kind of wonder. Well, I guess they do. I was going to say I kind of wonder if people look funny in costumes to dogs, or if we just look funny all the time. But <laughs> but it does change the way that we look, and that is going to be foreign to a dog, and that is going to cause them to react. Right. So, and
1: also another good idea is to put a baby gate on the outside of your door. Mm -hmm. So that when you open the door, there is still a barrier there in case you don't have something to tether your dog to. Or, like, let's say you don't want to teach your dog to go away from the door and sit, but you don't mind if he actually comes up to the door. This way there's a baby gate there for safety. Right. And what I also like to do is, in order for the kids to earn their treats, they have to help me by training my dog. Oh, my God, you're a taskmaster. I am. You know, if they're going to, eh. I'm sorry, I'm a trainer all the time. 100% of the time, 24-7. So if a kid wants for your husband. A little little bit of pre-MAC. I'm going to have to ask ask him about that. A little bit... There's a little bit of pre-MAC principle going on here, meaning that in order for the kid to get what they want, they have to do something for me. So what I do is is I have maybe a little bucket of dog treats outside or a little container of dog treats outside and I say hey can you do me a favor help me train my dog and feed him but I won't let them feed him over the top of the baby gate because I think that encourages jumping up or putting their feet up on the baby gate I would rather tell my dog to sit or have them tell my dog to sit and then give them the treat through the bars of the baby gate Okay, then. So that that discourages the dog from jumping up and looking over the top of the baby gate.
2: And if you're going to do something like that, you would only choose a child that was, first of all, not afraid of your dogs. Of course. if they're fearful, they're going to cause a reaction you don't want. A child that's not dressed too wild, that's probably going to cause a little bit of a stir for your dog. Unless you have a really stable dog. Maybe, but headdresses usually make any dog react. I think masks, headdresses, those are the kind of things that dogs do react. Especially if you have a dog that you've been working with on eye contact right that's true (laughs) but it's just a thought anyway but that's a really good idea so in other words they give your dog a treat and then you give them a treat
1: yes they they gotta work for a living too do you get a lot of trick-or-treaters? <laughs> you know, we do now. When we first moved in, it wasn't a very... Everybody had grown up out of this neighborhood, and now a new set has come in, so... Ah, okay.
2: I'm thinking that, that kids would stop coming around. But That's just my opinion. But anyway, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. I don't know that I'm going to try it, but it's a good idea. And I love the idea of putting the baby gate up. Because honestly, putting the baby gate up is, as you said, it's a, it's a safeguard. Mm-hmm. So that if one of what you're doing doesn't work. If something that you have put in place to deal with this issue doesn't work, you have that fence, that gate that's going to stop your dog from rushing out and possibly scaring. I mean, just because your dog is friendly does not mean that the children are going to be open to that.
1: Right. And like you said, the costumes themselves may be, so your dog may normally be friendly, but maybe not to Casper the Friendly Ghost or, you know, Dracula or... Whoever happens to be okay, Michael Jackson is okay, probably gonna be a big one this year. <laughs> I think so too. So, so you'd never know. You know the dog might run out thinking he's going to be happy and greeting people, and then suddenly he gets out there and he's surrounded by you know a bunch of vampires. Right, and kids are going to be really amped up at yeah. this time of year, um, and carrying candy. And even if the dog isn't scared of the can- of the candy, even if your dog isn't scared of the costumes. If he goes out there happy, happy, and let's say a child gets scared or drops their bucket of candy, you've got a problem. Right.
2: I don't let my dogs go out there, so I think this is a really great idea, just being able to stop them. Now, the other thing to mention is that if you have a dog that is not, say, far along enough in your training to... To work on that, go to your spot. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you have a dog that is still in the state where if you were to tether him in that spot, they would stand there screeching. Mm-hmm. This is probably not the best time to work on that. But what you might do is then put the baby
1: gate further back so that the dog could see what was happening, but not necessarily participate. Right, or an exercise pen. If you don't have any place, if you have like an open floor plan and there's no place really to put a, a dog, a baby gate, then you can use an exercise pen to keep your dog back and safe. And also, all of these things that we're telling you to do, you don't have to do them throughout the entire night, every single time the doorbell rings. You can work the dog for, you know, for the first 20 minutes and then put him in a room or a crate or someplace where he's safe and away from the doorbell, just so that we don't end up flooding him.
2: I agree. Overdoing it would be a big mistake and could cause more, could do more harm than good. Yeah. Now, let's say you have a dog that is either aggressive or maybe just not confident enough to deal with this. You know that this is going to drive them crazy. The best idea for a dog like that, I would say, would be to manage them. And that would be to do what you just said, which is to put them in an area where they don't have to deal
1: with this. Right. Avoidance. There's nothing wrong with avoidance in certain situations. Right. And if
2: you're going to do that, the best idea is to not put them away and lock them off in a room by themselves where they have nothing to do. But plan for that ahead of time. And get something that's going to really interest the dog, whether it's a stuffed bone or there are various yeah, things. Yeah, peanut you
1: butter do. bone, or a stuffed Kong toy, or a bully stick, or a Buster cube, or you know something that's going to keep him busy for a while. Right.
2: You know, I have a question for you, actually, and everybody gets to listen to it since I, it came into my mind. Now, when did this peanut butter thing start? How do you think that started? Because I got to be honest with you, I'm not that comfortable giving my dogs peanut butter.
1: Well, there is a lot of sugar content. I think uh, it kind of started. With the Kong toys, and you put peanut butter inside of a Kong toy to keep them busy. I, w- I think I would rather use almond butter. There's a lot of pesticides used on peanuts. And yeah. so I'm not real comfortable giving my dogs peanut butter but like almond butter and stuff like that and I'm perfectly fine also just taking canned dog food shoving it into a Kong toy and then freezing it me too I'm a lot more comfortable with that
2: anyway that was an aside but I was just I have been thinking about this lately yeah. the whole obsession with peanut butter thinking I wonder
1: how smart that, that really is Well, but also the peanut butter keeps it going because then it sticks to the roof of their mouth it sticks to their tongue and then you know some dogs like one of my dogs will lick his leg and then it gets stuck on his leg and then he ends up licking his leg more and well I understand so. why it's a fun toy yeah. <laughs> I understand why Way it works. I'm just thinking I don't know how healthy I think
2: that is. I, that's an aside. Anyway, so that would be a way to manage a dog that is aggressive or fearful and you could still use that as a training session. If you had a dog that was really really reactive, you could have somebody take that dog into a room where they were far enough removed from the action but still they're going to know it's happening. Mm-hmm. Halloween's a pretty noisy night. So you could have somebody working on the training with the dog far enough away that the arousal level wasn't going to get out of hand. Right. And And could use that as an opportunity. I agree with you. It's a rare opportunity when you Mm -hmm. have so many people coming by and people that you don't know. The important thing is to manage whatever you're working on according to your dog's needs and according to your dog's ability. Right. Kind of goes back to the testing versus training thing. Right. Um, And so you definitely don't want to work them past the point that they're ready to be at. Right. But you can use that holiday with a dog at almost any
1: point. That's true. And also... If you do have a dog that's, let's say, very reactive to the doorbell, then you can either disconnect your doorbell for the night. Mm -hmm. It's very simple to do. Or you just, if it's a nice night outside, you put up the baby gate just for safety purposes and you keep your front door open. Right. And then that way your dog is in another room or, you know, like we said, with something to keep him busy and you've also got the radio on or some white noise, like some fans, so that the dog doesn't have to hear what's going on. But that way you take the the whole doorbell thing out of the equation. Right. Right.
2: I actually am a trainer (laughs) 24-7. I was sort of laughing at you and sort of laughing with you when you were saying that. And honestly, um, for me, I would get somebody to hand out candy and take the dog into the room and work with them. Because as soon as somebody hits the doorbell, you pop the dog something, you're actually going to work on keeping the dog silent and keep the dog from from reacting. So there's a lot of opportunity there to do a lot of good work. You know, it would be a really good thing when you have either a new confident dog or a puppy to get a puppy used to people Mm -hmm. is if you have a puppy that's not super shy. If you have a really shy puppy, this would be way too much. It's the flooding thing that you talked about earlier. Right, but if
1: you do two minutes here and three minutes there, then... I think it would be good for the dog, Well, it, no more than that.
2: Especially if you chose an opportunity when only one or two children came to the door. Yeah, not when there's a whole herd of them. If a group of six to nine come to the door, it's not the greatest, you know. And that's one of those things that you have to pick and choose. If you're going to use this holiday for as a training opportunity, you do want to factor all these things in. Is there a gang of children on my front porch, or are there just a couple of children? Are right. they great big children? Are they... Tiny children, right? You know, are they dressed outlandishly to the point that they're going to change the outline enough that it's probably going to cause some kind of reaction? Less so, I think, for puppies, because mm-hmm. puppies are just learning about people anyway. Yeah.
1: But and um, it would be a really, really great opportunity to to desensitize them to stuff like this, because once they're not a puppy anymore, it's going to be that much more difficult. Right,
2: as long as you are judicious about choosing what it is that you're exposing your dog to. So I
1: think sometimes
2: when um, you give advice like this, people think, oh, well, there's 10 kids and they're all out there and they're having such a good time. The kids are happy, so therefore the puppy won't get unnerved. And the truth is that can be an unnerving situation. So you really want to build that training opportunity up to the point where the dog can then handle a large group of kids. Right. And you may not be able to do that in one night.
1: Yeah. And we want to make sure that you understand that for something like this, you use really, really, really excellent training treats. High value. Hot dogs, chicken, last night's roast beef dinner. Right. Something that the dog thinks is fabulous. Because we're trying to do what's called classical conditioning here, meaning that we want a really, really good positive association between what's going on and your dog.
2: Yeah. The other thing that... The other opportunity that this opens up is teaching your dog a leave it. Now, we talked about a stop, like a stop barking command. Mm -hmm. But also, this is a good time to teach a dog a leave it. So, if you have an area where the dog can go watch out a window, let's Mm -hmm. say. And probably everybody knows my idea about picture windows. I'm not crazy about them. I love them. I think they're beautiful and wonderful. I just don't think they're the best to have your dog have access to. But if you have something like that, you can... Teach, you can start working with a dog or, not start working, but deepen the dog's knowledge of leave it. With the dog standing at the window, leave it. Give high-value treats. Again, the whole thing of teaching the dog. It's an, a rare opportunity to teach the dog when there is a ton going on. Yeah. But the other thing I think that we need to talk about are the issues of safety around the holidays. I Definitely. Mean, and, and specifically around Halloween.
1: Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, a lot of people have candles either in the house or out on their front porch, you know, in the pumpkins, that kind of stuff. But usually in the house, we need to be careful of those and the candy. And I think that everybody knows
2: that fire burns (laughs) and that candles can be dangerous. But I think that what some people don't realize, and this I have come to understand, is that dogs don't necessarily know where their whole body is in relation to fire. Yeah, like their tails? Yes, absolutely. And so that's one of those things that you have to be really careful about. The other thing is candy. Like you said,
1: candy with chocolate can be toxic to dogs. Chocolate, pine nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the darker the chocolate, the worse it is for the dog. And the smaller the dog is, the worse any kind of chocolate is for the dog.
2: Right. So you need to be really careful about making sure that the candy is away from the dog. That if your kids bring home candy, Mm -hmm. that you manage that situation very carefully. That you understand that around Halloween is sometimes... The first time you get an inkling that your dog actually is opportunistic and will try to get, yeah. grab hold of something that has been left low enough mm-hmm. that they can get up on something and take it down right? and eat because it. Because
1: you do not want to spend Halloween night or the next day in the emergency room. The holidays in
2: general, I think, is the, is the time when people learn that ugly little lesson about their dog. So that's something to kind of take for granted that your dog, if he is given what he what he perceives as an opportunity to take something that he wouldn't normally have he's probably going to take it and that means he might counter surf he might do things that he wouldn't normally do
1: right because dogs are are scavengers by right. nature that's what they do they're right. scavengers your 10-year-old dog is
2: probably not going to do this but you know your my 15-year-old dog would two or five well You've but he probably it. has a history no but he probably has a history but what i'm saying is This is the time when sometimes people learn a new thing about their dog. Oh, yeah. And especially if a dog is a younger dog, even up to the age five or six years old, they might decide, this is the year I'm going to do this fancy, fun thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're at the emergency clinic. The other thing I think that, I don't know how big of a problem this is, but I think that you need to be careful about pumpkins sitting around for too long. Mm -hmm. Because I think people don't realize that pumpkins mold very quickly. Maybe some people do. I didn't know this.
1: Especially if they've had a candle in them. They can go rotten very quickly.
2: Yeah. And if your dog gets into that, that could be a potential issue. Yeah. And you know what? There are dogs out there that are garbage guts. They'd eat anything. Absolutely anything. Things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as food. A food item they'd think of as, oh, manna from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, what else? We're pretty close to the end, I think. I think that's about all I have to say about Halloween I just want to make the point that again in all of this with all the ideas that we've given you for training and it is a great opportunity for training you do want to gauge your dog and you want to make sure that you're not pushing your dog to something that is is tremendously uncomfortable for him
1: right so read your dog so even if you you might think that your dog is handling it just fine don't just pay attention to what's going on at the door you know, the kids that are at the door, turn around and look at your dog and see how your dog is reacting. And if it's too much, then put him away for a little while. But ideally, you just keep the training sessions short. Don't just flood him for the whole night. Don't just stick him out there and work the training session unless it's a really confident, confident dog. And even then, I think you need to be give limited. them a break. If you if
2: you take any training session too long, even with a confident dog, I mean, I meet people who say, "Oh, my dog will work forever." I'm one of those people. My dogs will work forever, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is, I won't make them work forever because I think that it actually hinders learning.
1: Right. When you well, push. and you know, after all, I need a break from all those kids. After a while, I make <laughs> my husband answer the door. It's like I did the last five; you get to do the next twenty, and I'll do five, and you get to do twenty.
2: Me too. Actually, my mom came to visit me one year, and that was fabulous. because She loves, loves, loves kids. And so I said, hey, you know what? You get door Have duty. Have at it. I'll <laughs> deal with the dogs.
1: You tell Love the you, people. mom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's good about stuff like that. All right. So I guess that's about it for Halloween.
1: So uh, thank you for joining us. This is Laura Burhenny. And I'm Kim Reinhart. Thank you again.
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website, at www.petdogtrainer.com to speak with Kim. Call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.begooddog.com. Thank you for listening.